The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, a look at advocacy and legislative accomplishments over the past year, plus spring and summer fashions for ladies. Here's ACB Reports for April 2009. Near the end of February, members of the American Council of the Blind gathered in Washington for the organization's annual legislative seminar. President Mitch Pomerantz welcomed the group and introduced Eric Bridges, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Eric delivered a report on ACB's accomplishments over the past year. Here is part one of that report. Let me bring to the microphone the gentleman who uh, does the heavy lifting for ACB on Capitol Hill, a fellow who does outstanding work. He keeps everybody in the loop regarding events in Washington, D.C. Eric Bridges. As Mitch said, I represent ACB to Capitol Hill and to the federal government. I do a lot of interesting things. I do a lot of not so interesting things. I do a lot of things in between. And uh, it's hard to measure at times the impact that ACB has on the Hill. Uh, at other times it's very, very clear that we are having an impact. And what I do from time to time is just take a step back and look to see what's transpired over the last two months, three months, six months. And I thought what I would do for the purposes of this time that I have with you today is look back over the last year to see what's gone on since the last time we met. A lot of very good things have happened. A lot more still needs to happen for us to continue to move our agenda forward and, and get things done. But, but there have been some very uh, positive foundations laid in our efforts. Last year when you and I got together, we had two main initiatives and uh, no existing legislation to talk about. We had a proposal for a congressional resolution dealing with hybrid vehicles, quiet cars. We also had a discussion draft of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. What has transpired over the last year with both of those initiatives has been actually very, very interesting. In April of last year, we learned that Congressman Ed Towns from New York, joined by Congressman Cliff Stearns of Florida, introduced a bill called the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act. To our astonishment, the bill looked exactly like the resolve part of our resolution. So H.R. 5734 became a reality. One of the positive things that it spawned was a public hearing that the Department of Transportation held. It was a day-long public hearing on 
the dangers that hybrid and other electric vehicles pose to the blindness community. ACB presented, as did the National Federation of the Blind, the American Foundation for the Blind, folks within uh, the academic field who are actively researching how to solve this problem, as well as orientation and mobility specialists who obviously see the impact of hybrid vehicles on a first-hand basis when they're out with clients, as well as the automotive <laughs> associations, uh, engineers, folks of that nature that are looking at this problem from a, obviously a, a very different perspective than what we're looking at the issue from. It was a good hearing. The bill then, as with the bill now, calls on the Department of Transportation to research and develop sound emission standards for hybrid and electric vehicles. The bill itself garnered about 85 co-sponsors, bipartisan, which is great because these issues are not partisan. These issues affect everybody. Fast forward to this year. H.R. 734 was introduced, which is identical to H.R. 5734, just in a new Congress, introduced by the same members, currently has 62 co-sponsors. This is good. This is an issue that the blindness community is united in dealing with. The other issue, which is the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. This piece of legislation is truly seeking to amend the Communications Act in a way that will, that will help individuals who are blind or deaf or deafblind. But this particular issue is, is a very thorny one because it deals with new technologies, it deals with industry, and you all know industry's done such a bang-up job of making their technologies accessible. This very issue bubbled up to the top of the House Energy and Commerce Committee last year and a uh, hearing was held, and I'm sure many of you remember that, because one of our members, Sergeant Major Jesse Acosta, testified and uh, did a brilliant job. It was a highlight of last year for ACB, um, having the ability to, to have an articulate, compelling uh, member of ours testify and just be blunt and honest with members of Congress about the failure of industry to make uh, cell phones accessible, giving blind people the same sort of access to emergency televised information, and other issues. So, another feather in our cap along the way. Obviously, more needs to be done. The new version of the bill has not yet been introduced. And you all are going to play a big role in its reintroduction, going and advocating on the behalf of this organization, on behalf of your members in your states, letting people know that it's not all right that people who are blind have to go and buy a really expensive cell phone and then have to go and buy really expensive software to have a truly accessible cell phone. It's not all right that people who are blind hear a tone on TV and then are expected to go turn on a radio, stick their hand out the window, do something else 
in order to gain the same access to very timely, sensitive information. It's not alright that we go out and buy television sets, DVRs, DVD players, because we want to have access to entertainment and information. And we can only use 20% of what those products have the ability to provide us because they're inaccessible. Accessing video description. Good luck. One of the ironies is that there is video description that still exists. But good luck independently getting to it through the SAP function. With most TVs, it's nearly impossible unless you have someone cited to assist you. But a lot has been done, and uh, a, a lot more needs to happen while you're here, and a lot more needs to happen after you go home, because your job doesn't end here. The digital TV transition, that's just going real well, isn't it? Yeah. The digital TV transition deadline has been extended to June 12th. Uh, that is deceiving, however, because more and more cable providers and municipalities are going digital well before June 12th. This, in fact, was a difficult issue for myself as a representative of ACB to grapple with because the digital TV transition had already not gone very well, but everybody knew what the date was. Having it extended out to June 12th doesn't necessarily mean things are going to go much better. There are feelings out there that this will cause even more confusion than what was already a pretty confusing situation. There is speculation within the disability community that none of our problems will be solved by June 12th. However, what I can tell you is that a lot is being done within the Consumer Advisory Committee at the FCC. ACB sits on the, the Consumer Advisory Committee. It's a group of organizations ranging from industry representatives such as Verizon, uh, Time Warner, Cablevision, uh, to watchdog groups, a couple of unions sit on, on the committee, and then uh, disability organizations. ACB is the only blindness membership organization that sits on this committee. And we provide, I like to think, very good advice to the commission on what they should be doing for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Uh, a lot has changed. You hear the word change, ugh way too much these days, but within the Federal Communications Commission, a lot has truly changed. The former chairman, Kevin Martin, has resigned. The new acting chair, uh, Michael Copps, is an advocate for individuals with disabilities, and in his opening remarks to the commission staff said, you all need to listen to these committees. The Consumer Advisory Committee, by the way, is not the only advisory committee to, that the FCC has, but it is considered to be very influential or potentially influential because of the different sectors that the committee represents. And he urged staff to listen to our recommendations, which is huge. He addressed the Consumer Advisory Committee meeting 
in late January and said, I didn't have the power to do this before, but now that I have the power, we are going to convene a technical working group to look at challenges that the disability community is currently having with the digital TV transition. He actually said that this technical working group would look at challenges that individuals are having with video description. Video description is not required, like closed captioning is required. To have the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission say this aloud was truly, uh, it was a good day. It was something that, that frankly we've been working on and working on and finally we had a breakthrough. The American Council of the Blind was also reappointed to another term at the Consumer Advisory Committee. This is an excellent achievement because we were appointed midway through the last cycle. We were then reappointed and it makes a huge difference. When you have an organization like ours who's willing to work with other members of the disability community on that committee, we're able to do a lot more than uh, I would assert to you other organizations representing the blindness community can. Everything that I've seemingly been talking to you about deals with technology. And technology is ever-changing. It has the possibility to absolutely level the playing field in employment and education. And it already has in a lot of ways. I'm not standing here telling you that the sky is falling. It, it's not falling. But individuals who are blind or visually impaired do not have the same fundamental access to a lot of everyday products and services that the sighted community has. We will not accept that. So this is why you all are here. This is why I'm here talking to you about it. That was Eric Bridges, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Hear part two of his presentation next month on ACB Reports. A special thank you is extended to ACB Secretary Marlena Lieberg, who provided the recording of this presentation. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. You can hear many past installments of ACB Reports on the archive page at acbradio.org. Have a question about the American Council of the Blind or about this program? Write to ACB at this address, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. Or phone 800-424-8666. Spring has arrived not a minute too soon for most of us. So here's Lynn Cooper from the Mirrors Project with a review of spring and summer fashions for ladies. Spring is sprung. It um, is not the most exciting season in my estimation, but I am going to show you what is on the pages of the fashion magazines for men and women, not only throughout the U.S., but in the U.K. and Italy and Paris, France as well, to give you a real clear picture of where the trends are. 
once again, this is sort of our disclaimer, this is not an instructional uh, segment saying here's what you have to go out and buy. This is simply making the pages of fashion magazines fully accessible. Now more than ever, it's important for our listeners to buy smart. We have to look at capsule wardrobing, really investment shopping. How many times can I wear this particular piece? How many times can it be worn with other pieces? How many outfits can I make out of these pieces? We have to be strategic, and we also have to think about cost per wear. Just like the market economy, there seems to be a rather unsure, unsettled, and somewhat erratic feeling in the uh, designer approaches to spring and summer. The fashion statements were in two places, either very strongly way out there, meaning really Star Trek-y, strange, don't really have a theme, sort of way out there and uber-modern, or ultra-classic. And as I started to ruminate on this, it occurred to me that that's sort of where the country is right now. At least that's where the stock market is. It's either let's be very, very conservative and go back to where we were at a, in a gentler, uh, more luxurious time, or let's go way ahead in the future. Let's just not be here in the present, because in some ways the present is extremely painful. I also wanted to mention, since our last talk, the Oscars. And the Academy Awards are, as you can imagine, Mike, a place where there's a lot of fashion going on. In men's and women's, it was very much of a 1940s vibe. A lot of strapless, classic, subdued colors, very classic tuxedos, very classic gowns for women. Not a lot of chances taken. Once again, fashion as a cultural statement is often a barometer, and it definitely reacts to where the uh, zeitgeist is or is going in the culture. So women's trends, I'm going to throw out a couple real biggies, Mike, and, and one of them is geometrics. And what I mean by that is not just geometric prints, which we're seeing a lot of, but something known as color blocking, B-L-O-C-K-I-N-G. That means big chunks of color, not a lot of mixing of colors, but one big bright color in your jacket, big bright color in the slacks, and possibly even a different color in the blouse. Once again, this is real fashion forward, but you're seeing a lot of it. Really looks you can see from a block away. Bold primary colors, these are real tricky to wear. Once again, real fashion forward, dramatic in pattern and cut. So now imagine you've got a royal blue, which seems to be the biggest of the bold colors. And we always have to be careful wearing primary colors, the message they send. But they're almost as if they were folded paper. Imagine like an origami, if, if any of our listeners are familiar with the Japanese uh, technique of paper folding. So really, it would appear that you are wearing a dress made of folded paper. You're seeing a lot of embellishment, Mike, a lot of embellishment, even sewn onto the dresses, the jackets, the sweaters, beads, huge faux stones, sequins. And in some cases, this translates to shoes and accessories as well. Real big trend and a great economical way to get it into our look is animal skin prints remain big. They are being shown in clothing and accessories, and probably, Mike, the biggest one this season is a snake skin. And that is being done, as I said, in print and fabrics, but also really big in accessories, in shoes and in handbags. 
another real big major look is Safari. Once again, a great look, easy for everybody to wear, and one that can often be found at a secondhand shop, which is uh, another fun place to grab these uh, trend looks. Safari-inspired, so you've got the khakis, that um, military shade of like an olive green. You've got tan, real subtle, easy-to-wear pieces. Outside uh, pockets, we're seeing this in jackets, pants, blouses, and dresses. Imagine you're on an African safari, and that is coupled maybe an accent in a blouse or a um, skirt or maybe even a uh, handbag in an African print. So you've got these real subtle tans and what have you, and then the African prints. Loose, lots of pockets, as I said, in real subtle colors. Texture is big. You've got some designers showing permanently wrinkled. I mean, this is really way out there, high-tech fabric, permanently treated to be wrinkled throughout the life of the garment. Big color, Mike, is pale. Pale, you know, let's be very calm. Nude, blush is another word for it, stone, very, very safe. And we're even seeing this all the way from tuxedo outfits for women to ball gowns. Once again, in my estimation, not making a big splash, kind of playing it safe. Jumpsuits, way out there, but they're big. Red, white, and blue. And this is the look of like an East Coast prep school. Seersucker fabrics, and that is uh, a light cotton fabric, usually done in light blue and white stripes with little bumps. It's puckered, if you will. Classic suit cuts. Jackets are big, cropped, bright-colored blazers, and what they're calling band jackets. And, and when I say band, I mean band, like high school marching band, with all of the goo and the detailing, the gold braiding and what have you of a band jacket. Shorts are big. Once again, we have to dress age appropriately, but shorts that are very 1940s in appeal. Pleated, very much pleated, cuffed, and loose. And these are an alternative to, yep, the mini skirt. Skirt hems are short. Once again, we have to think about age appropriateness, but a look in these mini skirts that's big is ruffled and multi-tiered. So if you imagine a ruffle at the bottom of the skirt, put two or three equal-sized ruffles all the way up to the waistline. Loose, soft pants in soft colors, very large, almost like pajama pants, cargo jacket details, which means pockets on the outside. They um, fall below the waist. They're often rolled cuffs that come to your mid-calf area. Not something you want to wear to the office, just very, very, very casual. Print soft blouses, which we used to call peasant blouses back in the 70s, with an elastic neckline. Usually they're in a rather sheer print, paisley floral. And the elastic in the neckline allowed us to pull them down over our shoulders. Not the look we want for the office or career wear, but if we're going out for um, an evening, that's kind of fun. You can even just do it off of one shoulder. And then to go back to that 1940s look, way fashion forward, designers are putting big shoulder pads again. And once again, it often takes two to three years, really, for a trend to take firm place in the market. And we are seeing some big, big shoulder pads. All righty, let's go on to hair. You know, Mike, I love acronyms for uh, remembering things. C-H-A-M-P. C being clothing, then we have to consider our hair. We're going to look at our accessories, which is the A. We're going to look at M for makeup, and of course, P, which is our personality. What kind of an attitude are we wearing when we leave the house? So let's go back to hair. 
Currently, what's really, really hot in hair is long, straight hair, straight bangs, geometrically cut side to side. Once again, if you really want to do this and have some fun, get a cheap wig, because many of us aren't going to be able to tweak our nose and have long, straight hair. Going forward, a very much easier to wear and easier to probably get look is a hair style, which is just skimming the shoulders, straight but not severely straight, not long, not short, right at the jawbone or a little bit longer, with a middle or a side part, no bangs, one length. And remember, the more you have going on in your clothes and accessories, the busier your outfit is, you want to be sure that you're going to be more subtle then in your hair and makeup. Then we're going to go to A in our word champ, and that is accessories. Gold is the medal of the season. As I mentioned before, snakeskin or faux snakeskin is um, obviously much less expensive and certainly a good look. In shoes, Mike, we're seeing strappy sandals, very gladiator-style flats. Or if they're not that, they're crazy high, thin heels or uh, sandals or peep-toe heels, which is imagine a pump with the toe area cut out. Wedgies are very big. Once again, throwback to the 70s. Jewelry, huge, 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 huge statement pieces. Not a lot going on in earrings. Remember, if we're going to wear big statement pieces, we want to wear just a set of earrings, just one big cuff. We don't want to cover ourselves in these huge statement-making accessories. Necklace, a big necklace with those big stones, or a big bracelet with big stones on it, or a big uh, collection of bracelets. A belt, once again, be very, very cautious. Usually one of these with maybe a small set of earrings would be enough. And oftentimes they're sewn onto the dress or the jacket themselves. Handbags. The handbags are clutches and not clutch bags that are held under the arm, but they're actually held in the hand. Again, snakeskin is big and they also are adorned heavily and some of them even in wild fabrics. Light, soft colors in makeup. Here's our M. Light, soft, subdued colors. And if we do see strong colors, it's with our strong styles, and they're going back to that 1940s retro with the dark lips and the red fingernails and the red lips. And once again, it's a good idea, which we probably have mentioned in a makeup session, if you're making your eyes up dramatically, then be careful not to do the same with your lips. Inversely, if you do your lips in a strong color, be very careful not to do that for your eyes or your cheeks because we'll then um, start having that clown look, and we don't want that. We want to look appropriate, and we um, want people to look at us favorably. That is what we're looking at for spring and summer 2009 for women. Don't worry, guys. Lynn will be back next month to tell us about our wardrobe for spring and summer. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.